chapter 3 tonight, and we are looking at verses uh, 16 through 19 to finish out the, the, not only the chapter, but the book tonight here. And uh, with our first slide here, we will note that Okay, thank you. Uh, the theme here is the just shall live by faith. And uh, outline, we've worked our way through the book to the, this section here, Habakkuk's vision and prayer. And uh, actually, I think we could summarize the book this way. Chapter 1, Habakkuk's got questions. Chapter 2, God has answers. And right in there is the just shall live by faith. And then Habakkuk's response of faith in chapter 3. Habakkuk really had two major questions, uh, two major why questions. First, he could not understand why God seemed to be so passive in terms of the corruption of his own people and how God could uh, allow this to go unchecked. But then God told him that he was not just passive. He was at work behind the scenes. He was raising up the Chaldeans, which is the Babylonians, to judge his people. And Habakkuk had even more questions at that point, an even more disturbing question. Couldn't understand why God would use an even more wicked people, that is the Babylonians, to bring judgment on his people, Judah. So it's kind of like, yeah, I know we're wicked, God. He already laid that out at the beginning of the book. But these people are so much more wicked. How would you possibly use these people to bring judgment on us, a less wicked people? Well, God then showed Habakkuk the big picture. Yes, God was going to use Babylon to discipline his people Judah, but then God was going to severely judge Babylon and ultimately restore his people Israel. God always has a big picture plan. Now, we only see a little part of that picture. And uh, his plan is always consistent with his character. It's always consistent with his holiness. God never says, well, you know, I know it's not really according to my character, but th this time I'm going to do something a little different. No, it's always consistent with his character, if you see the big picture. Well, in the midst of, the, of his struggle, God emphasized to Habakkuk the most important life principle that we, that he, and we need to know. And that is that the just shall live by his faith. That's what life is all about. It's really about faith. God asks us really one thing, that you live by faith. You come to faith, and then you live by faith. And we see that in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, which is the key verse. Now, there's a number of outstanding verses in the book leading up to, to the climactic end of the book, as we see in our study tonight. But uh, let's review just a few of them as we uh, continue here. And one of these is found in chapter 1, verse 5, where God says to Habakkuk, you know, after he's saying, God, I don't understand why you're not doing anything. And God says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, though it were told you. And indeed, the prophet was utterly astounded at what God was planning on doing and using the ruthless Babylonians to bring about disciplinary judgment on his people, Judah. God doesn't always work the way we work. His ways are not our ways. They're above our ways. We know that from Isaiah chapter 55. Then uh, note as we move on to chapter 1, verse 12, <clears throat> Habakkuk's response. He says, are you not from everlasting? He's the eternal God from everlasting. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. So he recognizes God is uh, the sovereign God, the covenant God of Israel, who's not going to allow his people to be extinguished. Uh, we shall not die, O Lord. 
You have appointed them for judgment, his own people. Uh, they have an appointment with judgment. He's recognizing that. O rock, you have marked them for correction, not for extinction, but for correction. Even though perplexed, Habakkuk really responds from a position of faith. Uh, his was not a position of sinful, rebellious doubting. He had some honest questions. I think it's, it's okay to ask questions reverently, honestly, openly. That's, that's okay. And he did this. Uh, he asked questions, honest questions, while holding to his faith. And then the response comes back. The key verse in the book, Habakkuk 2.4, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. In contrast to the proud are the humble, and who are they? But the just shall live by his faith. In all of life's challenges and struggles, the key issue comes down to this. Before God, the great issue is faith. It comes down to that, faith. Whatever we're dealing with, God wants us to handle it with faith. This is the response of the just. The just shall live by faith. Uh, the just are the righteous. Uh, you know, righteousness is imputed to those who believe. And then, as we are saved by faith, we are to walk by faith. We are to live by faith. Well, then as we come to chapter 2, God pronounces five woes that ultimately will come upon Babylon. Culminating, ultimately, in the kingdom. So uh, note this, we have tucked in here this, this wonderful little verse, five woes on Babylon, but right in here we have a prophecy of the coming kingdom. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord and the, uh, as the waters cover the sea. Pretty much all the commentators in our camp, that is dispensationalists, uh, agree. This is, a, this is a kingdom reference here. Uh, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's going to be saturated uh, with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, uh, knowing God's power, knowing God's sovereignty, knowing that God's in control. And Christ is going to rule that way with, with a rod of iron one day. And then we have uh, at the end of that chapter, as God says what he's going to ultimately do with Babylon. Uh, yeah, the called for uh, appropriate response. Uh, Habakkuk 2.20, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let, let all the earth keep silence before him. You know, it's good uh, for people just to shut up once in a while. <laughs> Especially in the presence of an all-holy God who is, is totally in control. I mean, I think this is the appropriate response. Like, God, we cannot argue with you. Uh, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do. And we can't do anything about it. We can't, we can't say anything. Let, let all the earth keep silence before him. Habakkuk, however, does have one plea, if you will. And we find it as we move into chapter 3, the response of Habakkuk. He says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So he's asking, okay, this has to come upon us. It is appointed, as we saw in chapter 1. But he's asking for mercy in the context of wrath. When God's bringing down the, the judgment, the disciplinary judgment, in wrath, remember mercy. And then as you go on into chapter 3, as we go on into chapter 3, uh, we note that uh, he reflects on God's awesome interventions in the past. And uh, we saw there, he kind of follows how God worked in a mighty way at the Exodus. 
leading his people to Mount Sinai and then leading them on to the promised land and then into the promised land. The revelation of God in chapter 2 emphasizing what he's going to do triggered this, triggered this prayer psalm response of Habakkuk in chapter 3. As I say, in 3, 3 through 15, he then reflects back on how God has miraculously and powerfully intervened on behalf of his people, Israel, in the past. And uh, just uh, one example of what he's bringing out there, it builds to this uh, here in chapter 3 and verse 13. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for salvation with your anointed. You struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to neck, Selah. The point is, just as God has awesomely intervened with deliverance for his people in the past, so ultimately it is expected that he will do so again, ultimately in conjunction with his anointed, which is to say the Messiah. Well, and that brings us to the climactic conclusion of the book here in chapter 3, 16 through 19. Now let's pick it up tonight, <clears throat> verse uh, 16. Now recall what he's just recounted. Yeah, he had this, uh, this revelation of God about how God, through five woes, is going to bring judgment on Babylon in chapter 2. And then his response, remembering how God has led and delivered and intervened on behalf of his people in the past. And so verse 16 says, When I heard my body trembled, my lips quivered at, at the voice, rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. <clears throat> the vision that Habakkuk saw in chapter 2 really totally overwhelmed him. Note uh, at uh, the beginning of the chapter, uh, we saw in chapter 3 verse 2, him saying, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. God had just revealed five woes concerning Babylon, where this is going. And now he says again in verse 16 at the end of his prayer, When I heard, my body trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself. <clears throat> so upon hearing the message from God, Habakkuk was really an emotional wreck. His entire being was affected to the point of really a, a total meltdown. He was trembling and quivering to the point of near collapse. Now the question is this, and this is our question to consider tonight. What was the cause of this overwhelming reaction? Was it the message of what God was going to do to Babylon, uh, just uh, shared in chapter 2? Was it the message of what God was going to allow Babylon to do to Judah, his people? Or was it essentially the overpowering vision of God's sovereign greatness? Well, I think you can make an argument for all three of this, and the commentators do that very thing. <clears throat> it was undoubtedly a combination of all three of these. But I think, and I'm going to argue, that the chief thing was the overwhelming awesomeness of God as seen in the vision. The thing that really overwhelmed Habakkuk was the sovereign greatness of God himself. And this is the emphasis here at the end of the book. It's on God. That's, that, that changed his whole perspective. When he got the right focus of God, that changed everything. This is the reality that completely transformed his, his outlook. This whole thing that he was concerned about was bigger. It was bigger than his circumstances. 
God was more awesome than he imagined, than he had ever seen before. Faith sees beyond the circumstances. Faith sees beyond human players. Faith sees God and his greatness. And I don't care what we face, God is bigger. And that's really what God has shown Habakkuk. Uh, You're all worried about these things. I've got this. I'm bigger than this. I know where I'm going with this. And when you get the right view of God, everything else pales in comparison. Now, it's easy to preach this. It's not so easy to live it. Especially when you're facing what Habakkuk was. As we will see, it was, it was dire. But Habakkuk was awed by God's divine majesty and power. A little footnote. In the Bible, when people had intimate encounters with God and his revelation, uh, it consistently left them overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. And I think we see that here in Habakkuk's response as well. But note something very important here. While this encounter with God and his revelation left the prophet physically overwhelmed, at the same time, it did something for him spiritually. Did you catch this? Note what he says here. When I heard my body trembled, my lips quivered, rottenness entered my bones, I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. It was an overwhelming experience. And yet he says it was to the end that I might rest in the day of trouble. Isn't that interesting? I trembled that I might rest. What an interesting combination. There's an old saying that says, fear God and fear nothing else. Oswald Chambers said it this way. The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. That's a pretty profound statement. I think that's true in Habakkuk's life. He was all alarmed, all concerned about what's going on with his people. And he was really concerned about what God is planning to do in relationship to judging them. But now as he's come around to have a bigger view of God, brought everything into proper focus. Had a whole change of perspective. This is where the vision of God has brought Habakkuk. He started out the book full of despair and questions, as you will recall. He then had the exhortation, the just shall live by faith, followed by the vision of what God was going to do. This left him trembling, but also resting, resting in God's greatness. This is the position of faith. It rests in God no matter what is coming. It rests in God in the day of trouble. It faces the future. With faith resting in God. It sees God as bigger. Bigger than all my circumstances. God is in control. No matter what we are facing, we can trust Him. We can trust Him with this. And that's the challenge for you, right? I don't know what giants you're facing. I don't know what challenges. But we're all facing all kinds of weird things in these days. But what does God want us to do? It's the same as in Habakkuk's day. He wants us to trust Him. You can trust God with this. You say, I think I just want to sit over here and tremble. Well, it's okay to tremble. But get the right vision of God so you can rest in the day of trouble. It's an interesting combination. I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. Well, you might want to note that connection in your mind. It's a life changer. Yes, we're human. 
We have all kinds of uh, experiences emotionally. But we can rest in it all. Habakkuk has been brought to the place of properly seeing the awesomeness of God, which overshadows everything else. What does God say? You know, Psalm 46 is a remarkable psalm, but it builds to this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Stop and and let that soak in. The last part of verse 16, uh, where it says there, uh, when he comes up to the people, that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. Now, as you read the commentators, they will, they will all agree that the Hebrew here is ambiguous. It's, what, what is in view here exactly? It's not totally clear. Everybody pretty much admits that. Is Habakkuk in rest awaiting what is about to happen to Judah? Is that what it's in view here? Or is he in rest uh, waiting for what is about to happen to Babylon? Of course, the vision presents the reality of both, ultimately, the the full orb view. But the sense here seems to be that having seen this awesome vision of God, Habakkuk could now rest in the face of the impending Babylonian captivity, knowing that God is sovereignly in control. Habakkuk could rest in God in the face of the trouble Judah was about to experience. And he could rest in God knowing that the ultimate outcome for the invader would be just as God has said. There would be these five woes that God would bring to bear upon Babylon. As I say, the Hebrew is somewhat nebulous here, but, uh, and it could allow for either one of these views, that he's resting in relation, in spite of what Judah is facing, he's resting in, in light of what God's ultimately going to do in reference to Babylon, could uh, relate to either one of these, or both, Certainly both realities were coming. Judah was about to be invaded by Babylon. And ultimately God was going to judge Babylon. Both of these are true. Well, in relationship to both, I take it, Habakkuk found his rest in God. And that brings us to one of the greatest, if not the greatest, expressions of faith found in the entire word of God. It's amazing. When you understand the background, this is an amazing statement of faith here. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flocks may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You know what this denotes? Something major has happened in the heart of the prophet. Something major has happened that has changed his entire perspective. Wherefore, before his circumstances caused him to question and despair, now he sees above his circumstances. He sees above them to the God who is sovereign over all. He now sees God with a greater vision than he has ever seen before. And that changed everything. Really, what we need in life when we're struggling is a a greater vision of God. Uh, There isn't anything that that won't fix. A greater vision of God. I don't care what what you're dealing with. You need to see God for who He is as God in this situation. It'll take care of the problem. He's in charge. You need to trust Him. He's in charge. You're not. He's God. You're not. I'm not. 
This sort of reminds me here of Job. You know, Job, uh, dear Job, and he was a righteous man, the most righteous man on the face of the earth. And yet as he went along, all these terrible things are happening to him. I mean, he loses all of his stuff, loses his family, loses his health. And, he, and then he has these wonderful friends who show up with all their wonderful insight, you know. And uh, they're, they're sin here somewhere, brother. <laughs> Come out with it. <laughs> Just confess it. And uh, he's, you know, got this bantering back and forth. I'm sure wisdom will die with you guys, you know, and all this and that. But really, this goes on for 37 chapters, maybe 35, the first, not the first two, but if you go on, and uh, it, it ends up Job is really kind of wanting to challenge God about this. As the scripture says, contend, God says, who is this who contends with the Almighty? And uh, then something happened. God revealed himself to Job, showed him just all his greatness in terms of his providence and his sovereign control. And when God got done, what was Job's response? He say, oh, 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 I've got just two more small questions. Uh-uh. He didn't have any more questions. He's flat on his face, puts his hand on his mouth, says, I don't have anything to say. I repent. No more questions, only worship. The answer to every situation is to have a proper a greater vision of God. Because I want you to know God is greater than you or I could ever conceive. This is a God-honoring faith perspective. When that happens, we see everything else in proper focus. Now you have to understand here, in verse 17, what he is describing is that food and livelihood are represented in verse 17. And you know about Americans, right? When we're talking food or toilet paper or gas, we get nervous and we go crazy. You know, Americans, by and large, have very little faith. Great amounts of fear. I mean, fear, fear, fear. And they won't admit it, though. Everybody, oh, not me, not, no, no, I don't have any fear. No, 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 no. Terrified out of their minds. They not only are fearful, they tend to lie. We're talking food and livelihood here in verse 17. You understand? Figs, grapes, olives, and grain were the staple food groups on which the nation depended. I mean, I go to the cupboard and there's nothing there. Sheep and cattle were also essential to the economy for food and clothing. Without these, the nation would soon be in desperate straits. What is being described here is a dire situation of destitution with resulting famine conditions. That's what he's describing. In modern terms, we might say something like, when the bank account is depleted, although there is no gas in the tank, and although the refrigerator is empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I don't know. Can I make that statement tonight? I've got a little money in my bank account. I get my gas, my car is filled up just in case. <laughs> Refrigerator's got quite a bit of food in it, not to mention the freezer. It's so easy to preach this. But you understand, there's been a vision here. God has revealed to Habakkuk that bad times are on the horizon here. 
Desperate times are coming. During the intense COVID timeout, Joy Osnemore sent me, I, I guess I should have asked Joy if it was okay for me to share this. Joy, is it okay? You sent me your paraphrase? Okay, yeah. Very difficult to say no in this context, but uh, I didn't think she would mind. But uh, she sent me this little paraphrase that she put together. Just, I think you were memorizing. Didn't you memorize these verses, Joy, at that time? Yeah. So this is kind of cool. Though the toilet paper shelves be empty and the hand sanitizer sold out, though the labor uh, cease in the workplace and the flooded fields yield no food, though the livestock market be in the cellar and no ventilator left in the hospital, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet walk on firm ground and my walk of faith with him will be strong. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Praise the Lord for that paraphrase and application of what we're talking about here. Bringing it right up to where we live and some of the things that we have faced. Well, verse 17, undoubtedly, and most of the commentators again agree, that this anticipates the dire situation that would result, uh, would happen as a result of the Babylonian invasion, which is exactly what did happen. For example, we read in the book of Lamentations, as the Babylonians came and, and uh, they besieged Jerusalem, uh, it was a horrible scene. Those slain by the sword are better off than those who die of hunger. Lots of hunger. And that's what he described there in verse 17, though there be no food. For these pine away, stricken for lack of the fruits of the field. That's what he's saying, even though it comes to that point. The hands of the compassionate women have cooked their own children. You know, you've got a really desperate situation when you start cooking the children. They became food for them. In the destruction of the daughter of my people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having a faith so strong that says, even though we are facing starvation conditions, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. As I say, it's pretty easy to preach this tonight. I really hope I don't have to face this kind of a dire situation or or you as well. But Habakkuk, Habakkuk was actually in this situation. This requires, you know what it requires? A really big view of God. A really big view of God. It requires seeing the big picture. That indeed God does work all things together for good for those who love him. This is the kind of faith that Paul, while he was in prison, called for in Philippians 4.4 when he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Habakkuk came to see that in the end, God is going to bring the people of faith through this terrible time. He's going to bring them to the place where the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's where it's ultimately headed. He came to see that the God of Israel is so great that when he shows his face just a little bit, all melt before him. The nations are startled, chapter 3, verse 6. The everlasting mountains crumble, chapter 3, verse 6. And all of creation aligns to his sovereign control. And God works through many means for the salvation of his people. This great God is unstoppable. He's unstoppable. You know what looked like Babylon was unstoppable? 
But that was just a temporary distraction. Behind the scenes is the everlasting, all-powerful God who really sovereignly controls all things to a determined end. And frankly, if you don't have a long-term view, you're going to be disappointed. This world is going to disappoint you. There's going to be heartaches and difficulties and, and struggles. And that's true no matter what. But if you got the long view of faith, that the best is yet to be, the kingdom is coming, and your place in the kingdom, that's where you find your hope. This is where faith comes to rest. And this is what God wants his people to live by. It's what he means in saying the just shall live by faith. I love this quote from James Russell Lowell. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne, yet that scaffold sways the future, and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. Ah, yeah, that's where he is. Noted very carefully that the source of Habakkuk's joy was in Yahweh. Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. He calls him the God of my salvation. He doesn't say, you know, the God who's failing to come to our rescue here at this point. No, he's seen him as the God of his salvation. The end of this story is about deliverance or salvation. You need to see the end of the story. You need to see the big picture. That's what faith does. God in the end will bring about deliverance for his people of faith. Now, we tend to think in terms of uh, short range instead of long range. What's happening right now? But God always has bigger plans, kingdom plans, eternal plans. And in the end, for all his people, it's all working together for good. Faith believes this. Now, being human, we have a hard time properly appreciating this reality. But it is where God-honoring faith takes you. Faith has an eternal perspective and embraces the big picture view. Moody Bible Commentary, these emotions are not centered on circumstances, but on the contrary, they are focused on the Lord, who is the source of his salvation and strength. That's where our focus needs to be. Verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. The language here is very poetic, portraying the great secret to spiritual strength and stability. We don't find strength within ourselves. We're very weak, truthfully, within ourselves. We find it in God. The Lord God is my strength. Lord here is Yahweh, referring to the eternal, unchanging God of covenant. This is where we find our strength. Uh, the word God is Adonai, meaning sovereign master. He is the eternal covenant-keeping master. And you can trust a God like this. He is eternally faithful, reliable. He keeps his word, no matter what the circumstances may look like. No matter what the appearances, no matter... The temporary conditions. He keeps his word. He's faithful. He will bring about the deliverance that he has promised. And you can drive a stake down there. It will be done. 
Habakkuk says he's my salvation. He says he is my strength. He brings about my deliverance and he gives strength all along the way, culminating in the ultimate position of strength. The end of the story is not defeat, but strength. Some of my favorite verses, I love these verses, but Isaiah 26, 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, which is short for Yahweh, for in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. Note that. You can trust in Him forever. For what? Well, for everlasting strength. Psalm 73, 26, My flesh and my heart fail. I'm pretty weak within myself. But God is the strength in my heart and my portion forever. But isn't this just it's such a, a, a wonderful verse in terms of we see our humanity here. My flesh and my heart fail. You know, my, my outward physical constitution, um, I'm struggling. And, and my heart, uh, you know, I'm failing there too. And yet, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who depend on the Lord find Him totally dependable. As you lean upon Him in faith, you tap into His everlasting strength. When all about you makes you want to tremble emotionally, there is a strength found in God for those who trust in Him. I want you to notice the the connection here. Uh, Trust in the Lord forever. Well, why? Why would you trust in Him? Because in in Yahweh, the Lord is everlasting strength. Trust and strength go together. That's really the connection I want you uh, to see there. It's interesting that we experience his everlasting strength. They go together. Stop trusting and you will know weakness. Trusting is the position of strength. Faith says God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills. What is being portrayed here is sure-footed confidence. That God will enable the believer to navigate the perilous times to where they will ultimately walk on the high hills. You see, deer are sure-footed, agile animals. And they have the ability to climb what look like impossible mountain terrains that others can't and thus be in the place of safety up there. Portrayed here are poetically uh, strength, finesse, sure-footedness, beauty, agility, and speed that takes you into a a position of safety. God brings you there. God takes you there on the basis of your faith. Note what he says here two times. He will. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high heels. How's this happen? God's going to do it. This is a God thing. This figure portrays the strength and confidence that God imparts to those who trust him. This is the position of spiritual stability and agility to deal with whatever challenging circumstances we might face. Moody Bible Commentary says, Those who love the Lord may still be facing incomprehensible difficulties, but should not be overwhelmed by them. He will vindicate his followers at the return of the Messiah Jesus when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk addressed uh, 
this uh, prayer, he brought forth this prayer in chapter 3, and he addressed it to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. Now, evidently, he intended it for it to be set to music and used in worship. Uh, you know, I always say Martin Luther's quotable. I always reject Martin Luther's baptism and regeneration. I almost always make that statement when I quote him, but he is a quotable guy. He said so many quotable things. And uh, Luther supposedly one time said in the middle of a, of a great struggle, let's sing a, a hymn and startle the devil. <laughs> I always like that. Uh, he did actually say, as, uh, he said, the devil, the originator of sorrowful anxieties and restless troubles, flees before the sound of music almost as much as before the word of God. Music is a gift and grace of God, not an invention of men. Thus it drives out the devil and makes people cheerful. Well, certainly we see a place for me. We see it all over the Psalms. I mean, the, the Psalm is the hymn book of God's people, the Jews, back in the Old Testament. There's something powerful about singing the faith, right? How many times have you really been kind of down in the dumps and, and you sing along with those glorious old hymns and it lifts your, your soul to heaven? Well, we have that experience. Well, Habakkuk uh, started the book by seeing strife, violence, conflict, apostasy, injustice all around him. It seemed like it was all he could see. But then God revealed himself to him in a way that Habakkuk had never seen before. And it changed his entire perspective. It built his faith so that it lifted him from the pits of despair and complaint to the mountains of faith and praise. What was the difference between chapter 1 and chapter 3? In there we have this vision from God. It all comes down to one's view of God. Struggling tonight? You need a greater view of God. Get into God. Put your focus on Him. He's bigger than whatever you're dealing with. It's a big God. If we were focused on circumstances and all the quagmire, all the despair, it's going to be a bummer. But if we get our eyes on God, who's above all of that, we will see his greatness. We will see his faithfulness. And we will see where he is taking us in light of an eternal perspective. That changes everything. You could uh, summarize the book in this way. Complaints and questions. That's where the book starts out. And then God responding with this premise. Here's what I'm really looking for, Habakkuk. The just shall live by his faith. Followed by a fresh vision from God. Followed by abounding faith here at the end of the book. There's a little poem that I read years ago in a devotional book. Uh, I, might have, I think it was out of our daily bread. I can't even remember. But there was a little poem in there. And I memorized it. And I've never forgotten it. And many times I quote this in different contexts, whatever. And it went like this. He's the great, great God of the Bible. He's the great, great God of all power. He's the great God who can shake the world. He's the great God of the hour. How true that is. You know, there's an old song. Albert, you'll know this song, right? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Boy, we live in those kind of days. That's certainly true. What should our response as God's people be? What should, how should we respond? Well, what does the prophet Habakkuk have to teach us? We should respond with faith. This is what honors God. 
God is not taken by surprise. He is still sovereign over everything that's happening. You say, boy, things are really going south in our country. Yeah, wonder why. Wonder, I, but you know what? God's in charge of that too. He's sovereign over these things. And faith says, no matter what my circumstances, God is my salvation. God is my strength. So I will rejoice in him. I can't necessarily rejoice in my circumstances. You know, you say, well, boy, I'm worried. What kind of a world, what kind of a country are we going to leave to our, our grandkids? I have no idea. All I can say is God is our salvation and God is our strength. And if they trust in him, that'll be true for them just as it is for us. We can trust him. Come what may, God says, I want you to live by faith. You know, we taught our children, and we would often quote this. And it's a great verse for anybody and everybody. But we taught our children and really often remind ourselves of Psalm 56.3. You know Psalm 56.3. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. It's not that we're never afraid. We're all human. We wrestle with fears. But what should we do? How about just quoting Psalm 56.3, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. The just shall live by faith. God help us to be among them. This is what honors God. Faith honors God and God honors faith. Let's have our closing song and then I'll close this in prayer.